Welcome to another edition of the Real Social Proof Podcast, man, where we uh, we find the dopest people. Not so we're in a, we're in an industry now or a day and age where um, everybody who has a voice use their voice, and I'm not mad at it. But on this podcast, you are going to come across people who have social proof, meaning they've done the work to build something, yeah. and they can talk from a level of experience, not just because I'm articulate. And today we got some real social proof, baby. Mr. Willie Moore Jr. Man, what's up, bro? Sorry, man. Y'all ain't gonna clap? Oh, let's do that again. Okay, let's do that again. Okay? I know it's good. Like, the clap, clap. <laughs> we we, we need y'all active out here. Let's but what, Willie Moore Jr., man, what is going on? Man? man, listen, number one, let me say this. I'm so proud of you. I'm so honored to be here. I've been watching the movement and just seeing, like, you know, you and I, I think we met, it's gonna be crazy, almost six, seven years ago. Yeah. It's almost six years ago. Yep. Like when yeah. you and I were speaking at a church together and just to see you go from that guy who was working right. to then doing t-shirts and now having the e-complex and this podcast and all that. You know, a lot of people get mad when I say damn or hell because they say, oh my God, that's a curse word. But the truth is, a curse is curse word is, may you stay in the same place you've been for the rest of your life. Like that's the curse. Like you that's a curse word. So fries yeah, yeah, you're going to do that forever. Right. So to see you evolve... <laughs> And, and and not be cursed mm-hmm. and keep on moving. It's so inspiring, bro. I've been watching. Man, I appreciate it. What are Doritos, though? Oh, no. Nah, I just we, knew we you had the Doritos. I'm actually on a 10-day cleanse right now. The herbs. So he, so he would get on the cleanse when I come. I was ready for a bunch of Doritos. <laughs> nah, and, and that, yo, that, you, ever did, you ever did the cleanse? I'm not going to say it on tape, but I think I started you and started? I stopped. What day? Did you do, like, the 10-day or did you try the 10-day? It was like two, two years ago, but... Um, my my brother, you know, D.A. Yeah. is my brother, yeah. I'm about, to, I'm about to put us in a group chat. Like, yo, Willie Mo said he going to start the cleanse. Don't That's volunteer me for that right now. Like, <laughs> ain't cleanse, Thanksgiving bro. or something coming? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It, and it really, you know what? This is one of the dopest things about it, too, because it, I had to use, I had to eat my own cooking in terms of I have to, I have to apply the stuff that I teach mm-hmm. everybody else yeah. about consistency. I almost yeah. quit a couple times, brother. Yeah. I almost cheated like a little bit because you can't really eat nothing with salt in it, sugar, nothing. Um, but in my mind, I was convincing myself, yo, I might be all right to eat a little. Just some? I mean, it's a little, it's salt in it, but everything else in here is organic. Yeah. And I almost talked myself into doing it, but I had to remember what I'm telling other people. Yeah. I think we started the beach body journey. And I started staying true to that. But it's like after you do it for a year, like you find your flow, you get your portions or whatever. Mm. And so I'm kind of in a flow. I think I may do one just because you just sold it so good. Yeah, come on with it. And, uh, so, yeah, I might go and do a little cleanse. But not this week. I was hoping for some Doritos <laughs> in here. Every time I'm on Instagram, I see Doritos. Yeah, was, I'm jumping back on them. I yeah, promise you. Yeah, no doubt. It's a pleasure to be here, though. Oh, man. Yo, the, the first time I ever heard Willie speak, we were speaking at a church. And... Really, he low key opened up for me. Yeah, yeah. Low key. I opened up for sure. Because he went first and I went after. Yeah. But he killed it so crazy. The first time, I think, yo, this might have been the first, that was probably the largest crowd I ever talked to at that point. Oh, okay. So I'm feeling myself like until I get there. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm, I'm killing, I'm getting these gigs. We out here. Yeah. And my man creates magic on a stage. It's so fun, man. Glory to him. I got so scared. Did you? Willie, I got so you scared. You're so bro. taller than me. <laughs> It's like I was like, yo, I can't follow that. Wow. I can't follow that. God is good. Yo, it bro. was it was crazy. The the way he um he just involved like the adults, the kids. It, it was just it was really just magic. And then um I went up there and I looked back I looked back at the tape 
and I realized that wasn't my best work because I was I was so I could I could see my nervousness in the yeah. video. Okay. Like Willie Moore Jr. killed it. Then fast forward, we on tour together with Dr. Oh, Eric Thomas. God. Yeah, they, I learned a lot. What'd you learn from that. that tour? You know, I've really learned that all of us kind of come out of his tree, mm, right? Sure. And so when you, like when it comes to our consistency, when it comes to what we attempt to do in our integrity, mm. like all that comes from Dr. Eric Thomas, and he he like embraced us, almost giving us the mantle to mm. go. So when we leave with the mantle, like I found myself being a lot more aggressive in my speech. I was Absolutely. like, I'm like, how, why am I hollering so much? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And so what it taught me is like, although I came out that tree, it's important that I found my voice. Right. Like I'm a fun guy. I like to smile. I like to, you know, I like to tell funny stories. Um, can't nobody keep up with ET, man. That boy yeah. moving and grooving. Yeah. And so I finally found my pace. But the one thing that I've learned out of that particular tour is that all of us are moving, man. Like, like we learned so much in that time. Like I had never been around you in those intimate spaces mm -hmm. and just, just to kind of get into your entrepreneurial brain. And like you're a boss here, but you were a student there. Mm -hmm. Like all of us were students. Like when you got on stage, I'm in the front taking notes. When Ink get on stage, I noticed you and everybody oh, was sure. learning. And so I learned that men could work together and it didn't have to be a pissing contest. Mm. Like, you know, everybody was okay in their lane. And that's the type of group of people you want to be around. And uh, like, I really appreciated that time. I really so did. How was it back in the day? Cause does everybody know his past? Oh, we all got a past. <laughs> yeah, so, we do. Uh, like, how, how did you get into like the R&B game from, from the very beginning? Cause okay. I got a whole bu bunch of questions about that. Okay, cool. So. Just like everybody, we all have a start. Like everybody in the audience, you had a start. Like whatever you did, you had a start. My start just so happened to be in church. So I started in church, Friendship Missionary Baptist Church, where the Reverend uh, Hubert Beckton was my pastor. Mm. And so I just remember being a kid with the little pink suit on, with the pink Hold on, you shirt. Went from church to now, lay your body yeah, down. Yeah. So so this okay. this is how it happened. So I'm singing. He keeps on making a way for me. And my mama was like, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's Sunday. But Monday, when I came back to the, to the school, I was singing Jodeci Forever My Lady. And so I had, a, I had a real dilemma. Like, the girls love me singing R&B. Mama and them love me singing in the church. But I was like, I had to follow my calling, which had to be R&B. You know what I mean? Like, flat out. Um, and then, you know, fast forward. This is, um, I'm in St. Louis. I come out with a record called Roll With Me. And it goes number one in St. Louis. Um, mm. I did that while I was in college. I went to the University How of Mississippi. I was 19 years old when I wrote wow. Roll With Me. Wow. Um, a sophomore in college, going into my junior year. Hold on it, a second. Quiet on set. Yeah, I love it. Quiet on set. <laughs> Thank you. He said, lock it down. Thank you. He said, lock it Proceed. down. Yeah. Um, ended up signing with Universal Records. The only Catch-22 is another dude from St. Louis. Like, like, I had my song, number one in St. Louis. He had the number one song in the world. You know the other dude. Nelly. Another. Nelly, really? yeah, Nelly. So Nelly's, Nelly's from St. Louis, um, and he has the number one record in the world. I ended up signing with Universal Records. Mm -hmm. uh, fast forward, Nelly sold 30 million records. I sold like 30. Total. <laughs> that was it. All together. Like all together, like everybody from Albuquerque, 30, <laughs> flat out. That's what it was. And um, I realized that, that I loved the art and it was cool, but I didn't like losing. Like I really didn't do good with losing. I'm adopted. So I've, you know, I have a really big problem with second place. Like I always wanted to be number one. Um, and when that record flopped, that hurt. And Nelly made a skit on Nellyville. Um, if you go back on the album, it's a skit called 5,000. Mm -hmm. So I was opening up for Puff Daddy at the Riverport Amphitheater. And these girls, like 25 girls came in with shirts that said Pretty Willie, the new king of the city. You know, we're in St. Louis mm -hmm. and they got a, a number one on the back. 
And I'm like, that's did cool. Did you put that together? Or I just... promise it was organic. Mm-hmm. I wish I could say, yeah, I told my little girl. <laughs> you know how we like that. You know, like marketing plan. plan. Right. No, they did it on their own, but it got back to Nelly. And uh, they came out with this thing, uh, 5,000. It was a skit. And it was like, I seen they name and then his name. And, 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 and then we went to the billboard. 5,000. And they started laughing. Whole city started buzzing because I'm a flop and I'm a failure. Were you yeah. beefing with Nelly? Yeah, so it was like real beef in the city. Like what? it was nuts. Um, not so much. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say like. Well, I'm sure he was aware, but he was make, like. But when you're from the town, you don't realize that the dude from U City is the number one artist in the world. Mm. What, year, what year is this? What year is this? This oh one oh two. Okay. Country okay. Grammar okay. just came school, out ninety nine. Yeah. He on his second album. He mm. doing his thing, and so you know we still got this local mentality. Um, but I, I, I adjusted. Although they made fun of five thousand after Universal politely got me off that label, right, you know, right. for selling so so marginal, you know, the marginal units. I made 5000 my goal, though. Like, as an independent artist, mm. like, I could make more money. And so I, I took that 5000 as my goal, and I started to explore my niche. Like, I was talking to everybody and ended up talking to nobody. Right. You know, I always tell people, especially entrepreneurs, right. like, if you're trying to talk to everybody, you're going to end up talking to nobody. Sure. Like, I wasn't specific on who I was talking to, so I'm talking to men, babies, 8 to 80, blind, crippled, <laughs> crazy. Right. But the thing was, when I looked at who was really into what I was doing, it was women, ages 18 to 35. These were my AKAs, my Deltas, my Sigma Gamma Rose, my Zetas. Mm. And so I changed the whole game up. Like, I was rapping. I got signed as a rapper. Really? But because I realized that my audience was women and I had a gift to sing, I said, okay, scratch all that. We're going to sing. We wrote this little song called Lay Your Body Down, mm. put that song on radio in St. Louis. It spread across the country. Um, we ended up first week, well, second week selling 5,000 independent units, wow. added a T-shirt to it, had a $20 bundle. We ended up making 100 k and then we kept on selling units. We went to Shreveport, hooked up with my brother Bebe, and he can attest to this. We ended up selling out their, their stadium down there, like really? half of it. And we made a lot of money independently. And uh, like a lot of people now, they're so happy to be entrepreneurs. Like I didn't have a choice. Mm. Like I couldn't go work at McDonald's after being on BET and MTV TRL. You know That's what I mean? That's the crazy part. Yeah, Yo, so. it's hard to, to reach some success. And then have to come back down. Yeah, I would much rather just not, just don't let me taste it so I can. Yeah, hold on to yeah, it. That's, that's humbling. Yeah, man, it was it was really really humbling. But to me, I wasn't a failure. Like, and and not trying to drop nuggets, but to me, failure is not a person. It's just an incident. Mm. You know what I mean? Like many people, especially like when you suffer through rejection or whatever. Like sometimes you take failure so personal. Like I don't take failure personal. Like I'll keep failing until I get it right. right. And so I looked at it like, man, I ain't never had six figures in my life. Like I was 21, 22 years old running around right. here being able to take care of my mom. Right. You know, rich. Yeah, hood rich. I'm talking about <laughs> I had the biggest 22 because that was the rich biggest dope. they had back then. Right. Come on, the 22 inch days. <laughs> um, but man, you know, the Lord was good. I feel like he even had his hand on me then. Yes. Yeah. So how, how long did the, how long did that run go with like the, like how many? You had more than lay your body down. Since. Yeah, lay your body down. It, it opened up four walls. That was a huge record. And then this MySpace thing came out. And in the first week, that was the first time we could quantify what we had been doing on the underground. Mm. Cause we was on the chilling circuit, kill it. Right. Like you go to Jackson, Mississippi. You go to Little Rock, Arkansas. Then you end up in Shreveport. You do a you do a triangle. Like you can leave with you know fifty grand. You know just doing what mm. you're doing, going doing club dates. Um, but the, you know you know the unique thing about it was, you know doing all that. Like, as I always say, like, it seemed like we were forced to be entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. 
So like when I see the grind now and how cute it was, like I remember packaging up them CDs. Like I remember coming out the trunk. I remember like not knowing when I put all my money into this load, like trying to gauge how many CDs we were gonna sell. Mm -hmm. You know, like do I put in all of this? Cause you couldn't, at first you couldn't just print them. You literally had to go send out for somebody right, right. to send you real CDs. So um, it was a unique journey, uh, but I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Everything was a lesson. Yeah, so how did it hit? Cause you're, you're 21, 22 around this yeah, time. Yeah. Like, how was how your character? Because right now we see you with the family, wife, and like just, yeah. just model husband, in, in yeah. my, my, my opinion. Yeah. What was it like back then, though? Like, did you have to like really humble yourself? How was that arrogance? Like, looking yeah. back at the old yeah. year. You know, I would say definitely a lot of arrogance, uh, but I was blessed. Like, my mother and father, uh, my dad today is 87 years old. Mm. And my mom, she been 35 the last 35 years. <laughs> black don't crack. Black don't crack, beige don't right. age uh, flat out. But my mom is, I think she like 78. Mm -hmm. So being raised by older parents, I always tell people, they say like I'm an old soul, but I'm like my best friend, 87 years old. Mm -hmm. Like I talk to him two times per day. I talk to my mom and dad two times per day. Mm -hmm. And our relationship is just, was just so, so real. Like they never took nothing from me. Mm -hmm. Like to this day, like I'm so blessed. I still try to bless them so much but they still like won't take nothing. Like they won't mm. even move out the hood. I'm ending up having to buy the houses around the neighborhood to control the narrative. Shout out to Nipsey Hussle, made it sound cool. <laughs> but I was like, I didn't have no choice. Y'all catch that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. You ain't gonna move, so yeah. I'm just gonna just move everybody else from around you so you got all this. Yeah. But I, we, we can clap it up yeah, there, please. We can good. clap it up. Yeah. That was the coolest thing I heard all month. I ain't yeah. gonna lie to you. Yeah, but they won't move out the neighborhood. My right. daddy, you know, he wasn't educated, he was a sharecropper. Mm -hmm. And so this is his accomplishment. Every time he pull up in Berkeley, Missouri, this is what he did with marginal education. This is what he did with saving his pennies, doing mm -hmm. what he had to do. And so like, even when he come to my house, honestly, when he comes to my house here in Atlanta, I can see that he's 87 because he's trying to get around. Mm -hmm. But when he get in that neighborhood house, man, you want some water? You need right, something, right, you know? Right, right. It's like, no, nah, I could never take him away from here. And you know, not bragging or boasting, these houses are like million dollar homes. We live in the neighborhood. And uh, people ain't trying to move over there, so it's lots and stuff for sale. But I got a big vision uh, for adoption and foster care. One day, like people around the world are gonna want to come see that house with what we're doing for children across the country. Mm -hmm. So I gotta, I gotta preserve that neighborhood because I think it's gonna be a museum after we duplicate their homes throughout the country for children who are in foster care and who are adopted. So I'm preserving my neighborhood for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're skyrocketing, right? Um... Like back, back, back to this, uh, this, this, this kind of arrogance piece, mm -hmm. because it's easy to like find yourself maybe treating your friends differently, treating women a certain way when you're experiencing that kind of success in that industry, right? Yeah. So looking back, what was your character like? Man, you know, I, and, and you know, I know a lot of people say it, but I was raised in the street, and so it was a code that we stuck to. I still got to fight that code now. You know what I mean? Like I grew up around people who sold dope. Like I hung around people who made mistakes. Uh, we didn't really see people make it out the neighborhood without, you know, without taking what we call penitentiary chances. And I'm not trying to be cute with it. Like it kind of makes me upset when I see people who say this and I can look in your eyes and tell you, tell that's not your pedigree. You know what I mean? So when you grow up that way, you listen to the OGs. Like the OGs won't let you get so far out of line. If they see you drunk and out here tripping and they know you got money, they're like, come here, little Willie, let me tell you something. Why don't you never do that? You got a chance of a lifetime. Boy, you better sit down mm. somewhere. Or when they see dangers about to come your way, they let you know, hey, danger coming to you, bro. So do this. And, and they kept me straight. And so I think 
the level of arrogance that you kind of see on social media now, I always look at it that it's a lack of guidance with the OGs. Like, we're afraid to speak up. You know, when I see my little cast in St. Louis doing so much negative stuff, um, I tell them success leaves clues. And I'm not saying I got more money than you. I ain't saying I got more influence than you. But I'm saying I done been 21. You ain't never been my age. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, right. And so they listen. Uh, it's good. So I don't think my arrogance was, was too crazy. But um, I would probably say I had an issue with women. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a man, man. Right, for so sure. I think if God made anything better than a woman, he kept it to himself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think for he kept sure. it to himself. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So that was pretty, pretty much my big issue. But because my dad was so, like, my dad was older, I never lied to these women. You know, I never lied, like, hey, I'm with you and then I'm with someone else. Um, I always said, I'm 23 years old, I got a really cool career. So I ain't really trying to, like, be tied down or locked down like that. And if you're cool with that, we can kick it. If not, then, you know, I respect your, you know, I respect what you he do. I said it that smooth, too. And they're like, yeah. oh, I could change yeah. him. I could change him. I don't know what they were trying to do. <laughs> but I, I just knew that if you're honest, and to this day, like, these people grow and they remember those moments. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember when you were so honest, I just wish other men would be honest that way. Yeah. Um, because my dad said, you don't want nobody scratching your car because you done lied. Like, how, how easy is it for you just yeah. to tell the truth? I was like, you know, that makes sense. Right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, so just tell the truth. So in this transition, so you're, you're on top of the world, right? Yeah. See, when did things change? Um, I moved to Los Angeles, and after MySpace blew up, um, 25 million people started streaming this song called Good Thing. Mm -hmm. Good Thing. She got the best conversation. All the girls got it on their MySpace page. Yeah, yeah. So, so all the girls playing that song. Like when you click on MySpace, it's millions of girls with this as their theme song. And so I'm out in Los Angeles, and I hook up with this dude named DJ Quick. And Quick is like an icon on the West Coast, like straight legend. So when I walked in there, I told. And, and I want to be really, really precise because I know you gonna you millions of people watch your show. Um, but yeah, with uh, all the, I like that. Oh no, I will, bro. Real, real talk. Like you gonna do some big stuff, favor on you. But I walked in with DJ Quick. He's like, so what do you do? Because we shared a similar bodyguard. Um, the bodyguard that used to have me when I had some money mm -hmm. back then. He moved to LA. Ended up being his bodyguard. I met him. I walk in the studio. He say, so what do you do? And I was like, I'm a, I'm a producer. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you produce? I'm like, yeah, I produce. Because I didn't want to get into a pissing contest with right. DJ Quick because right. he's an artist. Like, when artists get in the room, everybody's super artists. Right. And I was like, no. Nah, they didn't I know who you were? No, nah, not at all. The West Coast was dim on what we were doing. Like, it was popping in the South, the Midwest, and up North because it's the chitlin circuit. It was right. places right. I could touch on my own. Like, I made 55 my playground. Like, right. the Highway 55, I run up in that mug and do six. I, I can do six figures. Right. I can do six figures in a month, like as That's an independent. Back then, you could be killing it in yeah. Atlanta, but nobody, nobody knew you. Newark, New yeah. Jersey know you, or nobody in New York City or Philly knows oh who you are. Oh my God, it's so fun! Uh, went to LA, hook up with Quick. Long story short, ended up in the table with Tom Wiley and Naeem Ali at right. Warner Brothers. They were the, um, the president and VP at Warner Brothers um, at that time. Trillville was popping. Mm -hmm. um, I was an independent. I remember sitting there. It's like, what do you want? I said, I want a quarter million dollars, and I want a one point two million dollar recording budget. Um, he said, well, we can give you 50 grand a day. 
right. Um, I ended up taking it. Yeah, I was like, I'll take it. I want $2 million. Listen, I give you $1,000. Yeah. Right, give me the money. Yeah. So he's making money back home on the road so we could fly back, do what we do. Uh, but I knew I needed allies. But they had to know who you were to be able to demand that. MySpace had quantified it now. Right. Like, they could see what we were doing. Like, when you see, when I'm telling you, yeah, we selling our stadiums in, in Shreveport with Bebe and them, they right. like, okay, it's cool. And then, of course, it's all hard cash, so I can't really show you bank statements. We right. pressing CDs. They don't know how much we making, which is cool. Shout out to the IRS. I done paid y'all that little money. <laughs> y'all came back on me. So if you watch this, I'm clean. Right. Praise God. Y'all got me with what you got. Praise God. I ended up having to pay them, too. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I just remember one night we smoking. Because in L.A., that's what you do. Mm -hmm. You smoking. Yeah. And uh, I remember telling the guys, we have, just like, hey, bro. You know what we need to do? He's like, what are, we, what, what are we doing? I said, man, we need to go to church, bro. That's the only thing we did out here. And they was like, every time you get high, boy, you turn to Kurt Franklin, boy. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's good, bro. It's good. It's like, we ain't going to church. And at that time, I had a song with a dude by the name of Daryl Babs, professionally known as Tank. And uh, we got a song called Sex in the Daytime. It's blowing up in L.A. They starting to bubble it up. I know this song about to go because it's tanking me. Like, mm -hmm. Tank gonna take off his shirt and then I'm gonna try to take my shirt off. Right. And it's just gonna be the shirt off tour. I seen right. it in my head, right? <laughs> um, and so that night they was gonna bring us to the club. And Dave, honestly, man, I don't even know why I said this. I said, well, listen, if we can't do church in the morning, my dude, then we can't, we ain't gonna hit this VIP. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Kurt Franklin, we gonna go to church with you, bro. And, and we ended up going to church and I got more than I bargained for. I remember the pastor saying, many of you all think that the body of Christ is a, a body of perfection, but we're not a body of perfection. We're a body of process. So if you want to be a part of this process, come down. And I was just like, man, I've been doing so much wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, because even though you making money and you living that life, it's something on the inside of you that still feels very empty. Mm -hmm. um, it's just really, really empty. And I knew my mama was praying for me like old Louisiana Southern Baptist prayers. I remember calling her one time, like, Mama, stop praying for me. Jesus stalking me. Like, I can't, I can't, you know what I mean? So is, is it like an internal thing? Like, yo, you, like you're singing it, but when you leave, it's like, I, I don't yeah. know why I'm doing this. Yeah, it's like he took the veil off my eyes. So I remember kind of, I think it's like the second to last show, uh, as Pretty Willie, if you would. It was in Memphis. MySpace was popping. I did a door split. It was 3,000 people there, and they had never played it on radio. And so, in mm. uh Shout out, shout out to Pepper. I think Pepper, he might, I, I think that was a promoter back then. It's crazy. I remember his name. Um, but I remember by now I'm 25 ish, 26 ish. So I'm getting mature. I done left LA. That deal didn't work out the way I wanted it mm -hmm. to. And I remember singing when Lay Your Body Down hit because it had this doom, 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 yeah. doom, doom, doom. Stop. Lay your body down. Yeah. Boom, boom. But when the stop hit, Lay Your Body Down hit because I was in the lights with turn on and everybody would go crazy and I just it's like I was singing it but everything was in slow motion and it just seemed like all these teenagers and kids like just rolling and raunching and by this time I'm just like I got a lot of power over these people man like this is a lot of power to do a song and cats who wanted to fight in the club who was looking like gangsters 15 minutes ago when the song come on they like grabbing their girl right. doing all <laughs> right, that right. And I was like, man, it's a lot of power. Um, I didn't just give my life to the Lord and quit. Like I, I gave my life to the Lord and went back to work and doing what I was doing. And he just shifted my heart. Like I didn't want to, I didn't want to lead them that way. Mm -hmm. Cause I realized like that's leadership. That's, that's, that's a big leader who can stop your thought process and make you go to this. So I said, if I can do it this way, maybe I could give them something that could be eternal. Yeah. yeah.
So moving forward, what, what was this looking like? What was this journey looking like? Man, going broke. Like now I can't chase money. Like I so can't. So now you turn it down. Like yo, come perform. You're like, nah, I'm not doing that no more. Sometimes, you know, being real transparent. Like sometimes, like when my money got low, if I can make seven grand in Arkansas or ten grand in mm. Memphis, they not gonna know, you know, because I started going to churches. I ain't even know the, the 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 prayer repentance at the time. Like I was literally like paper, paper, paper. Mm. So if you want to, <laughs> <laughs> right, and, right. and hundreds of people would come and give their life to the Lord, and I was cussing, like I was still saying damn, because I was just so rigid. And mm. but God had done something so specific in my life. That I just wanted to tell everybody else about it. Oh, so you started preaching? It wasn't even preaching. Like they was like, "Come tell, come tell them what happened." Right. And I was like, "So I was in Cali smoking weed. Mm, right, right. <laughs> then right. we was finna go to the club. I mean, I was really edgy. Not but you might leave one of them joints and then go yeah. to the small town in Oklahoma. Yeah. Like, let yep. me get this bag real quick. Get this quick bag. Do what I gotta do. Wow, that must be that must be tough though. Yeah, that must weigh on you. It does. But then when I quit, I was like, I gotta see what's on the other side of faith. Mm. And so they kicking me out of my beautiful house um, mm. because I was just determined like, to not like straddle the fence. I was like, if I could be on the other side of faith, I just want to know what that's, that looked like. Mm. Like you got a blueprint now for motivational speaking. You got a blueprint now for entrepreneurship and T-shirts. Like I was like, what if I could get a neighborhood a blueprint through faith? Mm. Like what if this could also be an answer, a way to, to not only take care of yourself, but also take care of others. Mm. So I started going out. Um, I felt like the Lord gave me this thing called the Young Fly and Save movement because when I would go to churches, they would do it their way. But when I do it my way, the way the Lord was giving me, like people were more receptive, like kids from like hood kids. Everybody would come, give their life to the Lord. But when I leave, they'll go back to the same thing they were doing and lose the children. So I was like, man, I'm going to start doing videos so I can send it to their phones. What and year is this? What year is this? this? Man, I don't even know. Like 08? 08? Yeah, 08, gotcha. 09, 08. Um, and I was doing them, but it wasn't really picking up any traction. And then Whitney Houston died. I love Whitney Houston, bro. And when she died, that hurt my heart. And they were talking about um, her drug use. And they were kind of shielding away from the fact that she, she died. And nobody really knows. So I did this cool little video talking about Whitney Houston. I woke up the next morning, 362,000 people had watched it on Worldstar. Wow. Because I was asking God, do you want me to use music? Do you got something else you want to do? Because music puts me in a space where I, I'm very competitive. Um, there is a certain level of arrogance. It is going to require drinking and smoking mm -hmm. at that particular time. So I just wanted something new to do it. And he gave me a wink that way, and I never stopped making videos. So before, like when the, the one that goes viral, before that, how long were you doing videos? Like a year and a half. Get like 300 people, 200 views, 400 views. Oh, I'm, you just inspired somebody. Yeah, like just... Because I hadn't found my flow. Like, I always believe that a small step is still a step. Mm -hmm. And it's like some people quit so, quit so quick because they don't see the traction that they want. Right. Um, and, and honestly, I didn't come up with my editing style of the clipping and all that. Mm -hmm. um, it was a dude spoken reasons. Like, I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, because I had stole it from you. Okay, yeah, no worries. Yeah, okay, it's all good. So spoken reasons. Appreciate it. Yeah, that. like, like spoken. Pretty much stole it from you. Yeah, so spoken reasons was doing this stuff. But his content wasn't my content. Right. He was a little vulgar. Like, he cussing or whatever. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, I want to I want to do that. But then the thing was, like, okay, God, like, how do I do it? And I had that little MacBook Pro mm -hmm. and a little flip camera. You remember yeah. the little $99 flip camera? Man, that was a hard little $100 to come by, too. <laughs> but uh, thank God for flip camera. Did that. Never stopped doing them. And then, you know. The viral piece started going, added the t-shirt and merchandise. And Man, God it's, bless it's, it. it's so amazing because a year and a half is a long time. Oh, my God. Like, think about it. 
you getting 200 views, 300 views. You're not getting a whole lot going on. There's somebody right now that's like, you're getting a bunch of, like my boy Kim Arcane right now. Like his, his podcast yeah. is just dope. Um, but the consistency is hard, especially yeah. when it don't happen immediately. Yes. But you never know which one. Yes. And I'm sure after that one went, they probably went back and watched the rest. Yeah, they do. Because they get a chance to know it. And like, it's so funny that, and you know, I understand your podcast is mainstream, but I just want to tell people like, God is so good that many people are so hindered by their past. Like I always tell people, we got to, we all have a past. We just don't have to be prisoners there. You know what I mean? We don't have to be prisoners of our past. Like people don't even know sometimes. And then they look like, you you the, I would have never knew because <laughs> I was like, that's nothing that I'm, I'm hiding from you. It's just, you know, I've evolved. Like, I think everybody should have room to grow and room to evolve and room to be who they are. And then if you learn how to monetize it, you can really, really live an amazing life and help so many charities and people all across the country. Like, our job every day now with this type of platform, whether it's radio or television, it's like it's our job now to become answer prayer to other people. So if a social proof comes, it's his first time, I understand the jitters of first times. Oh. Like, I understand the, the man... Is somebody gonna show up? Are they buying tickets? How I'm many so did they? Nervous. How many did they? Did we do thirty tickets? Okay, well at least okay we recoup. Bro, I'm talking and, about that morning. Yes, I'm yeah, thinking the, yeah. the joint starts at nine. At eight o'clock, I'm nervous. I'm like, yes. do people buy tickets just to support? And y'all <laughs> right. not gonna be here? Yes, yeah. And I'm talking about about eight forty. People started coming. I said, thank you. Oh, it worked. Yeah, I was nervous. Yeah. So, so my day. job every day is answer prayer. So if, if it's a David Shans and I'm just like, come on the radio show and get an opportunity. Because unlike other radio places, like radio is dying. Mm -hmm. Not so much in my market. My niche 35 to 54. They locked in to what we do. These are the real decision makers. And they how, got how, they, how we need that. We they need got their little daughter in the car. They got yeah. they they your mama gonna call you from listening to me to say, you know, uh Willie has some boys on there talking sure. about social proof. That's where you need to go, because you need a job, because I don't understand YouTube. But the boy sound like he done made it. You need to be down there in Atlanta. And I'm going to buy your ticket. What's the, and then they call me, Willie, what's his, what's his, what's his website? And, I, and, no and, and you can't forget www when you're talking to mama. So I love my audience, because they're the real influencers. Those are the people... Like I always tell people, my radio market is probably the most loyal market that you're going to get because I'm the option because I'm selling something that ain't me. Like I'm selling Christ. Like I'm really sending them somewhere. I'm really praying for them. I'm really fasting for them. I'm really catching hell every single day because of me choosing this particular platform. Like I'm not I'm not um, like attacks come to me. People don't like the way. I do certain things. I'm breaking the mold of religion. I'm saying things that they're not used to. This is a tough job. It's a tough platform. But because of what I've been through when I was in beefing with Nelly, mm -hmm. because of what I've been through when they took my house, because of what I've been through when I had a baby out of wedlock, what I had to go through when Nelly said 5,000, when I get on this platform, I'm just like, David, I'm like, I'm built for this. I killed the lion, tiger, and bear. I've been in the wilderness. So what would have broke you and killed you, that don't kill me. I ain't never met my biological parents. So what you say about me don't bother me. I've always found my identity in Christ. Your words don't bother me. You know what I mean? So it's like God is so sovereign to give us an amazing opportunity in this space and become answer prayer to people who didn't have me in that space. What I wouldn't have done for somebody to help me out with my first event. What I wouldn't have done for an interview. And, you know, so now seeing the platform, 
it's like, okay, how do we become more answer prayer for people every single day of our life? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And we were just talking yeah. before we got here about podcasts and things of that nature. And I, like staying in that vein, I want to know how we can apply building that loyal following. Because it wasn't just social proof. Like I did a, a joint called Seven Figures in Fashion years ago. I went to Willie's show. Now oh, this, yeah, yeah, this one it. was, I think I might have, it was like three ninety seven or four ninety seven a ticket. Yo, I had so many people say, yo, I, I heard you on, uh, on the radio in North Carolina, Virginia, on Willie Moore's show, and I just came. Yeah. I'm like, yo, this dude, really? It ain't just like, like marketing, because some, some people might say something and be like, hey, this is the promotion, and anybody like, oh, okay, that's cool. But when Willie say something, it happens. Yeah. So for us, it's like trying to build our podcast, build our voice. What, is, what are some of the elements we need to keep in mind when building that, that loyal following? Like when I say... The conference is this day. Yeah. Goodbye. You know, give more than you take. You know, like I'm a strong believer. Like I told you, I grew up around OGs. You know, when they used to do, you know, what they were doing, they would always give a little extra, mm -hmm. you know, because there's a lot of people selling what they were selling. <laughs> so I always watch them, you know, do a little do a little extra. And so for my audience, I always take that mentality. I'm like, okay, I know that you have options. You got podcasts, you got this, you got that. But if I get an opportunity to be with you, I honor that. And so I'm prepared for you. Like every single time you get on the mic, don't just get on the mic to say something like get on there with it, with some intention towards what you're saying and then give them something to trust. Like if I say go do something, I believe in it. Like I'm not okaying people to come on this platform to swindle you. Mm -hmm. Like I think there's there's a level of excellence and understanding that you got to have with the people that you allow to, to be a part of your favor. You know, I understand I'm favored in this space. And so I'm going to look very closely before I say, yeah, just go tell them anything. Mm -hmm. And they know that about me. And then number one, like people can genuinely feel when you care. Mm -hmm. Like I really care about these people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to spend some time. Like I think the greatest investment you can spend with your audience is some time in the comments, mm -hmm. some time on the yeah, phone with them, sure. some time just, you know, kind of popping on their page, leaving a cool comment like, man, that was an amazing post, man. Hey, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. And I think people can feel that through the airways. They can feel that through Facebook because that's truly my heart. What I've noticed now is that people will look at the ebbs and flows of life and we get so focused on numbers that we forget about people. Mm -hmm. And like, I think people by people. And I think the genuine people who love people continue to get people. But the people who just, you know, I'm just doing something, they can feel that. And you will make a lot of money but your audience ain't gonna follow you where you where you you know where you going. Like I got a universal crowd of people who follow me as Pretty Willie from MySpace to Young Fly and Say to now this guy Willie Mo Jr. Like I got people be like, man, I was there with you in Tulsa. You remember back mm. in Tulsa when you was there? Then you got other people like, man, you still crazy, man, with them, <laughs> you know, pretty boy. I'm so proud of you. Right, I right, believe right, in right. what you believe in, <laughs> but I believe that he did something for you. I believe right, in right. what Lil Willie doing. You know, right, it's a neighborhood right. say. So yeah, man, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I want to go back a little bit because uh, I'm uh, a year into marriage. Yeah! Let's go on and clap that up. You feel me? Out here, battle tested for the yeah. year. You feel me? Um, so, how'd you meet your wife? How'd you meet your wife? Um, on the highway. On the highway. Yeah. I had a little Mercedes back then, a little E for something. Uh -huh. You remember, um, what's his name? Uh, Manny Fresh and Baby. Mm -hmm. In the new E Class Ben. Yes, no doubt, yes, E Class Ben. And um, man, I was riding in the passenger side of my ride, but my friend was driving and I seen this beautiful lady. Hold on. 
are we pretty willy or are we like kind of going? I'm pretty. I'm super pretty willy. Oh, yeah. you, oh, you still lay your body down? Ooh, I'm talking about your shirt off. Do you remember when you used to lean back in your car? You could look out the back window. <laughs> Man, I'm leaning in the back. Look, what's up, girl? You know, super. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. Hey, y'all, I ain't gonna lie, man. They sent me this Yuffie lock. Think about being on the couch. Someone rings the doorbell. Your child left their key at school. And they 
need you to get off the couch to open the door. Well, you don't have to do it anymore with this Eufy lock. You can open, unlock, see who's at the door all on your phone. It's super easy to install. You can set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It's keyless entry. So it's no more fumbling for your keys when your hands are full coming from the grocery store. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. Listen, you put your fingerprint on there. You don't have, even if you got you got your bags, you put one finger out there, boop, you get to unlock your door that way. No battery anxiety. You don't have to worry about the battery dying. Quick charging, it's incredible. Also, passcode unlocking and remote control with a 2K clear sight camera so you can see who's at the front door. You're in control anywhere from the app. Enhanced night vision. It's absolutely incredible. No monthly fee either. So unlike other brands that charge a monthly fee, you have you have uh, recordings locally, and you don't have to pay for the storage. Customer support is on 10. Listen, Ufi is on standby for you 24-7, so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Listen, you can contact them anytime, telephone, email, or live chat. Okay, listen, you need this Eufy lock. You need to look it up. All you have to do is go to the official website, eufy.com. I just ordered mine, okay? I love this product. It is incredible. It's a game changer. It makes life so much easier, right? So if you have a video doorbell already or any smart lock, it's, it's, it's time to replace it. It's time to replace it. So listen, search Eufy. E-U-F-Y, video lock. Search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y, video lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Okay? You can get a complete control of your front door, your life, back door. Incredible. Okay? So search Eufy, E-U-F-Y, video lock, or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock. Aggie, right. you know. And uh, I said, can you pull over? And uh, even then, rolling with the whole honesty. Hold on, you're driving, she's driving. Yeah, I'm like, don't I know you? Because she's an AKA. And mm. I was, you know, I'm a Kappa, so we had seen each other in the Greek parties or whatever. Oh, so same college? Yeah, no, she went to SIUE in mm. Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. Um, I went to Ole Miss, but I was from St. Louis. So during the holidays, everybody just comes back with their little jacket on. Oh, you're a Kappa 9, you're a right, right. And so she's an AKA, familiar face. And I was like, I think I know her. And I was like, you pull over? She pulled over. Um, I got her number, told her I probably wouldn't call her for about seven days. I was that what you said? Uh, yeah, I was going to mix a record. When I was doing music, I would lock people out while I mixed. Like, because music was so important to me. I wanted to give them the best that I could. So I would lock out women and everything. No cause or nothing. That was a subtle stunt, though. Yeah. Let's type it over that subtle stunt. <laughs> it was. I guess so. It was so oh, genuine. It was a subtle stunt. It was, it was genuine. Hey, listen, I promise. I can't promise. call you for about seven days, okay? I'm about to lock in and do this one. No, it wasn't playing like that. I said, listen, don't think I'm not interested. Like, I'm going to call you. But it's going to be like seven days because I got to go to work. I'm, I'm, um, I was mixing out of Eureka, Missouri. It's by Six Flags, like 16, 20, like 20 some miles away mm. from St. Louis. So I was very honest because it's like a cabin and this guy's really creative. Um, I ended up calling her, talking to her about a girl, girl I was dating at the time. And I mean, we just hit it off. Like, I would love to say it was something super spiritual. But when I came over, when she finally let me come over after months and months, because she had standards. <laughs> she don't care who you are. Man, I don't she care, care what's going on. You, you, can't, you can't come over my house. I'm like, right. okay. Um, but once I did, I seen her in them black pants, preacher. 
them black pants got me. I would love to say that it was something biblical and all that. But she was, she was, them black pants had me. I was like, you know what? I'm interested. Right. Yeah. And uh, it didn't take us long to say I do. Really? So how long between, you see the the black pants to Like a year. It was like a year. So when you got married, were you Pretty Willy or are you in your transition? I was still with Warner Brother Records as Pretty Willy. So now I'm traveling the country as Pretty Willy, but I'm, I'm running out. Like, I had turned into kind of like the female, you know, the pretty female who leave and everybody, what's up, baby? What's up, baby? And she like, stop touching me. I was like her, like, stop touching me. Don't, don't grab my shirt. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. So I become this guy. All my guys like, man, what's up with him? He's serious about this one, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, go, go in the room and, and uh, just get on the phone with her and just be caking. And you can hear like sure. the stampede of women that the other singers that I'm not going to put on blast mm-hmm. right now. I'm like, hey, boy, you killing her, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I just ended up hanging out with her and we ended up, you know, ended up getting married. Did yeah. she ever have any issues with you being on the road? Because, I mean, that's, that's tough. I don't care how much you love somebody. The thought in your head yeah. goes left sometimes. You ever, ever have any issues like that back in the day? Man, she always been kind of cool. She understood who she married. Mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's worse now. We got children, so it's not like what you're doing. It's more so like, what? Three kids in here. You <laughs> need <laughs> right, to come right, on right, home right, and help, right, right. you know? So I think it's becoming a little harder harder now than it was back then because we didn't have as much responsibility. Gotcha. Yeah. So how was that going through the transition? Was she with it? Was she? Um, she was always, well, she was a church girl, mm-hmm. kind of, a hood church oh, so girl. So she was waiting for you, like, yo, yeah. bro, where we going? Yeah, I mean, but she was she still had a sense of normality. Like she loved guys still cuss a little bit. That was my type of girl. You know, I was like, I rock with you. Guy, yeah, you know, she bit. had yeah, the right amount of righteous and ratchet was awesome for me. Um but um but yeah, man, she kept going to church. And I often tell ladies, like a lot of church girls, they try to switch it up just because they meet a guy who may not necessarily be into what they're into. But I will say, you know, kudos to my wife. She never switched up who she was. Um if she was going to church on Sunday, she was going with me or without me. And uh, the one thing that I really respected about her is not only did she go to church, she brought church back home with her, mm-hmm. meaning like she didn't come back with this over spiritual message. She had notes and she executed her plan on how she was going to tackle, tackle the tackle the week. Mm-hmm. And I honored her for that. And so much so that made me want to like, man, let me go see what this guy's talking about. And I ended up going and then once again, rededicating my life and saying, you know what, this this cool. I got more than I bargained for. Mm-hmm. So she was with you when you had the money. Yeah. And then this little rocky period. Yeah. Is it true that uh, like finances really put a marriage on the rocks, even if you really love each other? Like, yeah. Was was what was the stress like? Um. Was I mean, she I, like, yo, go sing one more, just one more. No, nah, she never did concert. that. You know she, ne- she never did that. I just think um, she had always been the stability. Mm. Um, when we first first started, she she was working as an auditor. And I mean, back then, if you're making like fifty, sixty thousand dollars, that's a good job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, shoot, with all these kids, that wouldn't have been a good job. You right, know, it right. wouldn't have been um, with just one person. And I was the chance taker, mm-hmm. so we might be up a whole lot of money, but I might be investing so much in like products. So it never was a time where we just balled out. Right. Um, you know, unless like a I got this got you, this got thing you. from Gillette came. It's like a modeling deal, and I remember like we got a little extra money, and I went. And splurge a little bit mm-hmm. but I've always been investing in what I wanted to do but it definitely put a, a hinder on the intimacy it definitely put a hindrance on uh, the communication 
you know, top of the month, you start feeling that thing in your throat because you know you got to talk to her. You just like, oh, we got to go over these bills right now. Right. And you just start like, your chest start burning and you just start feeling a certain kind of way when your money start going on that paper. You like, man, I worked so hard. And so what I learned to keep the strife out of our relationship, I was like, we got to take these bills outside of our house because I declared this house a house of peace. Like, this got to be peace. So anything that's not peaceful, it got to go outside of our house, which helped us so we wouldn't cuss each other out. Like, if you're in the bread, co, like, you can't be, well, why are you spending this much money on that? Right, right, right. You couldn't argue. And so we took those out, and we developed a muscle to do our bills. Like, we did it outside of the house until we got enough money to, you know, not be looking at bills every single month. We took that strife out, and we created a dialogue every mon Monday. We coined it Money Monday when we was really, really broke. And now that we're sufficient, like Money Monday, Monday, we, we literally go through every single bill, everything mm. that we got going, we designated a full day to just money. Because I'm a creative. You can't tell me what the bills do on Thursday. I'm creating like mm. I'm in the clouds. Right. So whenever she would do that, that would be our fight. Because I'm just like, why would you leave a bill in the studio? Like I'm creating. I don't want to think about that. Right. She's just like, she's Slip like, the bill. I want you to, I want you to focus. We gotta pay this. I'm just like, this is not good for me. So right. now I'm doing music for money. I'm like, what they doing on the radio? Kill them, <laughs> shoot them, shoot them, gang, bang, boom, huh? And and then I'm thinking, man, I should have hit them with that. Lay your body down one more time, you know. But once we once we designated a day, and we were that specific. Like I noticed that it changed our relationship when it came to money, because um, once we, you know, once she, I had her stop, you know, stop working, uh, when she couldn't find a job, when she got laid off, I promised her that, like, she would never have to go go to work again. I didn't say it was gonna be easy, but I said, you know, if you don't desire to have to go to work, you never have to do that again. I'm gonna find a way for you to take care of our children. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. And you know, I, you guys have a, a, an amazing relationship now, and just casually before. The interview, he was like, "Yeah, man, we just went to council." I'm like, "Yeah, like, what are y'all going to council for? Y'all yeah. counseling other like yeah. groups? So why, why council?" Um, you know, it's important that you always fine tune. Like we're continuously evolving. You know, when you get married, you lose a sense of your individuality. You know what I mean? But it's important that you remain an individual. Mm -hmm. You know, like um, one of my mentors, R.C. Blake, he says, when you go past a shoe store, you only see one shoe. Like that shoe can stand alone and bring in an audience, but you know that there's another one behind it that's matching that shoe. And when you get those shoes together, they're more appealing together, but it doesn't take away the me shoe. It just, they're better with the we shoes, yeah. right? So um, when we go to counseling, we're just learning how to be better people individually so we can be better um, together. Um, you know, it's definitely a unique time in our marriage just because, you know, she's getting to the point where you know, she don't want to be at home, mm -hmm. you know, and I want to tell men that, like, if that's your goal to make sure you take care of everything for your woman, she still has to have some autonomy in what she's doing as well. And, you know, and I, I would tell women as well, like, you know, if you have a man who desires to cater to you, you know, make sure that that's, that's what you want. Mm -hmm. And uh, if the seasons change, make sure that you feel strong enough to tell them that the seasons have changed. And that's kind of where we are in our marriage. Like, mm -hmm. we're both growing tremendously, um, and we want to make sure that we don't grow apart. You know what I mean? Mm. And we don't put on a facade like a lot of these church people do. Like, no, dis and not just church people, I, I retract my statement. All people do. Yeah. Because the Graham just gonna be like, we in the Bahamas today, we love each other. Right. Camera stop. All right, cool, well, go on about your business. <laughs> right, right, like, right. Like, honestly, I don't wanna be that. And you know, if we can't be harmonic inside the house, I'm not finna put a facade out for everybody else. Yeah. Like, that's too hard, you know what I mean? 
Um, you yeah, know, I, th- I thought it was dope when you said it. So I was like, yo, you, y'all have a great relate, a good relationship. You said I'm trying to go to Phenomenal now. I'm yeah, like, like I want, I want to go to Phenomenal. Sense. Is she willing to go to Phenomenal? Um, because I'm growing, bro. Um, this year was my year. Um, you know, for our audience who don't really do the whole, you know, spirituality thing, but I spent some time before before the new year and I asked God, like I always ask him, like, okay, what's this year going to be? Like what you need? Mm-hmm. Uh like what like I met I met your service, what you need me to do? And I felt in my spirit, like I wrote down healing and reconciliation. That was like in my quiet time. Um it was really quiet. <laughs> um and I was like, Oh, we about to start going out, putting our hands on people, laying hand on the six, raising the dead, like the Bible said. I'm excited. And then the next morning he was like, I wrote down for you. I was like, healing, reconciliation for me? Oh, my God, we got I thought I was healed. You know what I mean? Like, I'm good. And uh, I didn't know that I was going to connect with Ancestry.com. I didn't know that I was going to finally see people in my, my lineage. I was going to finally know that I'm not Latino. I'm not from the Caribbean. I'm actually from Togo and Benin and Africa, and, and I'm 87% African. I didn't know that I would find out that my biological mother is no longer with us. I didn't know that I would learn so much about myself this year. Um, so I started to do counseling individually just so I could get more tools. Like I wanted to make sure that with all this newness coming, that I had enough tools in my in my tool chest yeah. to meet these new people and get this new information. And uh, thank God for Janette Thornton, a dear friend of mine. She told me to definitely get counseling as you take this journey. And I just got healed, man. Yeah. Like I'm so healed, bro. Like I, I, uh, I'm okay with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel the need to have to be seen. Like I'm so okay in my own skin. I'm learning to love simple, mm-hmm. you know. Um, learning to be here for friends. Like this year, um, like today was a tough day. Like it was a lot going on. But I was like, my friend told me to come. And so in normal, normal instances, I would say, well, you know, it was a tough day for me. But I was like, hey, I gotta go see my brother. I gotta go make sure. sure. And that came, that came from. Facing myself and going to counseling. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. yeah. So, and this is the perfect time for you know this growth process because everything's growing for you right now. Yes. On another level. It's unique. So, 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 so <laughs> let's like let's talk about what you got going on now. Um, you know, of course, the radio space is really, really awesome. Um, and just you know, my heart is adoption and foster care. Um, so I've had the esteemed privilege to sit down with with uh, senators from, from the great United States of America. Um, and just like this, just- Did you link up with Trump? Um, I did not get the opportunity to sit down with Trump. Um, you if know. you had a chance, what would you say? Um, speak, I would tell him that leadership is really, really cool when you tell people like it is. The hood man in me loved that. But the leader in me says, a good leader not only tells it like it is, he also tells us how it could be. And so if you could work on telling us, conveying a vision of what life could be and paint a better picture, I think your presidency would go a whole lot better. Obama did a lot of that. He was a vision painter. Yeah. And I'll be the first to say I've had the esteemed privilege of interviewing President Obama. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I had, to, had an opportunity to sit down, with, uh, sit down on the phone with him. And um, second year, first year, first year of radio, that was really, really cool. Um, and I didn't agree with all of his politics, mm. but, I, but I did agree with the vision that he was able to paint and give people hope. Like, you know, when you look at st- statistically, you know, it was a, you know, it was a unique run for Obama. Yeah. But, but what he was able to convey for people of all yeah. colors and all backgrounds, like it kept us in a place of hope. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. yeah. What else you got going on in terms of um, like your career? Because it's like you you traveling every day. So we're traveling. The speaking the speaking thing is really really cool. Um, last week we were just in Philadelphia with Dr. Eric Thomas mm -hmm. and um, Q D Z and Karen Civil and Toby, mm -hmm. um, an amazing artist. So that was awesome. I've been getting a lot of adoption gigs. So my heart is so mm -hmm. adoption. I'm starting to attract that. Um, and then we're creating some television opportunities. Um, and then we also have an adoptumentary that we're shooting. Notice I said adoptumentary. Adopt it's already trademarked, praise God. <laughs> <laughs> or you want to set it to yeah, smile? Yeah, 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 no doubt. So the adoptumentary is coming out, just displaying different stories of people like me who whether it came from adoption or foster mm -hmm. care, but became somewhat successful in their fields. Tiffany Haddish, Kirk Franklin. Um, we tell the story of Steve Jobs. A lot of people don't know that your iPhone is from an adoptee. Uh, so just kind of showing us so other children across the country can know that we're not leftovers. Like we're not the kids that have to go to jail, have to sell dope. Statistically, it may say so, but we're shifting that narrative. Yeah, listen, I want to I want to uh, give y'all the the game. So we're 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 in this bus going down to where was we going that one time? Where do we go? I think it we went to Alabama. Some part of Alabama. It's me, Willie Moore Jr. Um, Et. I don't know. Jeremy job. Anderson, Inky Johnson. <laughs> oh, that's like Inky. Locked in a bus. For hours. Yeah. Was CJ there? C didn't come. C didn't come. C didn't come. So, like, listen, locked in a bus for hours. E.T., Willie Moore Jr., Inky Johnson, Jeremy Anderson. And I'm in there like, how did I get here? <laughs> hey, quiet as Kev. Kev, I was the same way. Like, this is cool. Oh, we about to take over the world. Oh, man, that joint was incredible. And Willie gave me one thing that revolutionized my whole career. He told me to put one question on my website. What, when it comes to like booking me, um, just let them tell you how much money they got. Gotcha. The budget. So like you gotta answer all these questions on my website now, and there's one question down there that says, what's your budget? He was like, yo, that tells people this ain't free. Like mm -hmm. this ain't, I mean, I, I am a commissioned speaker. I just wanted to tell you thank you because you've helped me make tens of thousands of dollars with that one question. So we indeed, praise God. That's good. I'm glad really. to see you winning. I want really. everybody to win, bro. Out of that whole trip, yeah. that one conversation out with Willie, yeah, changed me. Changed me. Hey, I want to see everybody win. It's out absolutely. There. It's and out I, there. I've, and it's not even you just saying that yeah. because he really wants to see everybody win. I've seen him help so many people just being yeah. involved in the yeah, community. Got to do it. So I, I got. Uh, I want. I want to wrap up. Um, because this is just an amazing. Well, I, I want to get in the Q and A. Y'all got a couple questions? You got a couple? Okay, get a couple. Please questions. ask questions. I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I ask everybody this question because um, I like to make predictions. Okay. okay. I want you to tell us where you see yourself in the next five to ten years, so that when we watch this in two thousand and twenty-five, two thousand thirty, like we can say, "Wow, I got I got Willie Moron Jr." I got Willie Moore Jr. on camera saying he was going to do this, and it actually happened. Wow, that's so cool. Um, the way I see things coming in the next five or ten years, um, of course, you know, we're going to have a, another amazing run with television. Like, I feel it in my heart real strong that the Lord's going to allow us to be on television, mainstream television, you know, uh, whether that's just acting or creating content or some, something in television. I know that's going to be big. Um, I think I'm going to do some movies. Uh, movies are really, really cool. I've been yeah. working out in the gym, watching The Rock, and watching um, 
um, Kevin Hart. Mm -hmm. Like I watch them every morning. Like I just like the really? energy that they have because I don't live in Hollywood. I just want to be around Hollywood every day. Mm -hmm. So I, I get on the treadmill. I hang out with them, just kind of listening to their ideologies and how they think. So I know that's going to come. Um, but I never come up with a vision to be seen. I come up with a vision to be purposeful. And so my underlying mission, like if I say I want to do something, I'm, okay, so what, what am I doing it for? And so my mission is literally to have a big enough star to shed more light on adoption and foster care. Mm. You know, I want to be able to say this is important and people actually really listen. The Kingdom Space is doing good. Over 387 people have signed up this year to be foster parents. Um, African-American people are actually doing that. Through your organization? Yeah, through the organization. I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Amazing. 10 years from now, we're going to have certified Will Flow Homes, right? So my mom's name is Flora, my dad's name Willie, so that's Will Flow. I kind of merged them together. So through the Will Flow Foundation, we're going to have homes. So and on the toughest night that children get ripped away from their family, they're going to have to go to these foster homes. Mm. And in these foster homes, these are going to be beautiful homes with pools, smart boards, equipped for them to say, you know what, this was better than what I just left to give them a lot more peace on the inside to be there. And they're gonna learn the ways of Willie and Flora Moore, how to love more than they complain, how to think about mm. people more than they think about finances. And we're actually gonna pay our parents who are gonna be in the house, we're gonna pay them high five figures to six figures just to be parents, right? We're gonna have smart boards. So if you wanna be an entrepreneur, I can call Dave and say, listen, I got a young man, he's been in foster care now for the last year. He's really into entrepreneurship. Could you mentor him for about the next month? Well, what do I have to do? You just gotta pop in, have some type of curriculum and pop in on the smart board. I don't need you there. They go in, they get a chance to talk to David Shans. Mm -hmm. You wanna be a basketball player? Hey, Kobe, if you don't mind, I want you to talk to this group of kids about basketball and the ins and outs of that. And so the kids are gonna have an amazing experience. Um, it's 110,000 kids right now who need to be adopted. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think that's not a, lot, uh, a large number when there are over 300,000 churches here. So you'll start seeing me shake it up a little bit with one church, one child. Mm. And so we're getting one church to do one child and we're gonna get this thing done. And then lastly, um, I'll be moving into politics, kind of changing legislation on adoption. That will be what it is, right? Like I just wanna change legislation there. And then after that, who knows? But that's kind of my goals for the next 10 years. Yo, is it not clear? Yeah. How many people just listening to him, you said to yourself, yo, I don't even know what I want for real. Like really? Yo, he says it as, like, as I, I, I see that he sees it so much yeah. so that a whole crowd, when he paints the picture. Can you see it? That's pretty cool, it. right? Can y'all see it? Can y'all see it? Can y'all see it? That is good. That is good. Yeah. All right, let's, we got three questions. Three questions. Three questions. This came. My question would be, what is Um, I would say that one piece of advice that I'm living by to this day came from my dad. He's 87. Um, he said, well, he gives a lot of them. Number one, my personal one is he always tells me before I get off the phone, don't ever forget who loves you. Don't ever forget who loves you. God and me, huh? And me and God running neck and neck. <laughs> that's what he always <laughs> says. Uh, so that's for me. But then I would say life advice um, would probably be just know what to want um, because he had a marginal education, but his portfolio is amazing now, you know what I mean? And he said, you know, the young people, y'all do really, really good, but y'all just don't know what to want. You want a Corvette when you ain't got Corvette money. You want a mansion and you ain't got mansion money. You want to look good. I want, I want peace. And so he said, just know what to want. So I still do that now. 
Um, it's this huge estate that I wanted out in Covington. Of course, Covington was so far away. But uh, it just wasn't time because I always remember, like, all right, Dad, tell me, you know, know what to want. And so it's giving me a lot of wisdom. So I would tell you, man, know what to want. Uh, don't want what he wants. Don't want what he wants. Like, really know what you want so you're not chasing facades and, and clout. You know what I mean? So I don't ever chase clout. This shirt came from H&M. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Gould. Brother Willie. Yes, sir. All of us have that fork in the road yeah. uh, in our life. Yes, sir. When did that happen to you? And do you ever think about looking at that other turn or you just said that's gone? Um, the fork in the road came from me living in Los Angeles. Um, man, we were just doing everything outside of what I thought my mama had taught me. And, uh, and when I went to church um, and then getting on a balcony, still smoking and hearing the Lord say your way or my way, um, the first time I ever heard an audible voice, I was like, ooh, I must be really messing up that he got to knock on my door and give me his voice? Like, that's crazy. Or there's some good weed or something. I don't know. <laughs> right? uh, but but it shook my whole body. And I knew that that was the Lord telling me that he wanted to move me in a different direction. Um, do I ever look at the other fork? Of course I do. Um, but now when I look, God also gives me a vision. So going into 2020, I'm bringing the Pretty Willie stuff back. I feel like I taught people how to have children, but I didn't show them how to raise them. I didn't give them life skills. I didn't do that. And so what I see now is that we're going to, like, now I got to get a number one record somewhere, whether it's gospel or, or urban. Like, so I'm in the studio now working with some guys who are writing some really cool music. And then I'm doing what I can, you know what I mean? Um, but the goal is to get this number one record, bring the attention back to the musical brand, and then I can go out and do Fox Theaters and tell the story of how I did get into it with Nelly, how I did you know, do this entrepreneurship, how, how you were able to get married, how I had a baby out of wedlock, how I went broke. And then at the end of it, I can give them the real solution. The solution for me was Jesus Christ. And I know you might not believe in what I believe in, but I don't fight with religion because I'm not religious. I'm results, I'm the proof. And so people can't doubt the proof. And so I want to be able to do that in the general market. So that's my goal for 2020. Yeah. 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 Now, it's yeah. just so impressive yeah. to see what you see. Yeah. Like, anybody catching that? Yeah. Like, he just, he's, a, he's a visionary. Like, he sees it, and yeah. I have no doubt it's going to happen. That's it. Hey there. So, hey. question. Yeah. Um, Glory to God, yeah. I hope so. Um, Me too. And you know, really, really, really optimistic. Um, however, I don't want to force her to do something. You know what I mean? Like I'm the I'm the guy who you know I'm a strong eye. Like I'm I want everybody to be a part. She's more of a like hey you know. So it was a little tough getting her out to do that. But once she gets on stage, she's good. I just don't want to put her in any more uncomfortable situations. Like the last thing I want to do is be uh, to not be organic with what we're doing. But we got a lot of great stories to tell now. Um, I will say that Khalil, my first blood relative that I ever met, 16 years old. Um, his dad and I, he's also a man of God, we wrote out a skeleton about this new book that we want to do called The Common Denominator. 
than how we get two men raising one child on one accord under one God. And so we want to show men if you the baby daddy, you ain't gotta like kill the dude. And if you the and if you the the guy who has this child, you ain't gotta be mad at this man who chose to be with the woman that you didn't want to be with. And and we we love each other. We pray for each other. Um, this is the season where I'm praying for him more than ever because I want him to get a big house. I want him to. Yeah. I'm like live your promise, bro. So I'm calling every you know once a week. Uh, so I think we have something unique there. Um, I don't quite have the vision, right? Like I don't see it exactly the way I should. So I know it's a little premature, but I know that's something that's gonna happen. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, wait, man, I, I want to say thank Can you. Can I ask her? Cause I'm a fan of her on Instagram. Oh yeah, come on. Yeah, she be dropping jewels. Man, I'm scared every single day. Um, when you come from St. Louis, Missouri, and your diploma read Ferguson Florissant School District, where the median income is $17,000, and you had never seen anybody successful outside of doing the wrong thing, like real success, you know, when you get these opportunities, you don't take them lightly. So I, I've been doing it afraid for so long. And so what I am trying to do is stop doing it afraid and do it for the love of it. Like I'm still in survival mode. I remember one time my wife pulled me to the side and she said, how much do we need, baby? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I really don't. It's just when you get into survival mode, you just start to go get it. Um, so any person fighting fear, fight while you working though. Like, don't fight, don't be so afraid to get started. Like, I fight every single day. I still get on radio. I still do these television hits. I'm still gonna do every interview. I'm still gonna come to the number one podcast in the world. Like, I'm still Talk gonna do it. Real quick. You know Talk what I mean? Real quick. Yeah, like, I'm still gonna do it. So just do it afraid until you can do it for the love. You know, I sat down with, um, well, either I sat down and sat with him. I did Steve Harvey's thing. And sometimes, uh, I think it was a YouTube, but he talked about, Man, I'm scared every day, man. Mm. But I gotta get these millions, man. I gotta do what I have to do. I'm not that extreme, but should I be afraid? It's a tough, you know, it's a unique game. You know, you could be hot today, be cold tomorrow. That's, you know, that's why I'm around ET. He challenged us to write every book, you know, kill every gig, touch every heart. While you in that, make sure that if they take you out of that space, they gonna miss you. You gonna miss me. I'm like, uh-uh, you let me, okay. I'm going to go do it. So just do it afraid. And uh, just specifically to you, um, I just want to let you know, and, and I don't want to turn this into like a prophetic meeting, so I ain't going to be weird, but I want you to literally stop looking at the likes. I don't want you to look at the audience because with 6,000 people, 8,000 people, 9,000 people, the favor that rests on your life, you'll be able to do more than people who touch millions of people. There's a collective of people who are really bought into what you are giving them because it comes from a pure place. And so I see you second guessing some of the posts that you want to do. I see you overcorrecting some of the things that you do in my head. What I want you to learn how to do now is I just want you to give it. I hear you saying, well, somebody else already said this. Can't nobody say it like you. And so you got to be able to say, okay, but it's me though, right? Like this is your posture when you get afraid to do, but this is me though. And that's not cocky. That's confident in the Father who's giving you something to give to the world. So I want you to be just as bold as you've ever been with recycled information. Like, I might have got that from Joyce Myers or Joyce Patel, whoever it was, but can't nobody say it like me. Because I'm a fan. Like, I wasn't just gassing you. I wasn't just gassing you. I wasn't gassing you up. Like, I, like I really think you have something uniquely special, not just for women, but all people. Yeah. Wow, yeah. wow. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, if you got another question, we... Yeah. Come on, Joe. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Uh, Good. I love it. WillieMoreJr.org or Willie Moore Jr. Live. I follow you right back. We can get it popping in the morning. Um, I'll, I'll connect you with um, Chuck, and I would love to have a conversation with you. We got this thing called the Day of the A. This happened November the fourth, um, and the Day of the A is the Day of Adoption, and so it's gonna be big. It's gonna be real blue collar, not like a gala or anything. Like I told him, I want people to be able to come like me. I'm intentional with my dress and the way I look. So I want it to be blue collar, but it's gonna be concerts, a whole lot of stuff going on. I'd love for you to volunteer, help us with that. And, uh, and we'll put your vision in the vision. Let's, let's rock. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Love it, yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah. For the people that might not know, uh, mention your wife's name, because she got the same thing in common. Oh, Patricia. Yeah. Patricia Moore, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Patricia Moore. That's out of Patricia. Yeah, y'all be pl- praying for Patricia, man. She want to hit me in the head with a skillet sometimes. <laughs> I mean, but can you blame her? Like, I'm a lot. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So specifically to you, I'll ask a question to you, like, why didn't you die for what you went through? Why didn't you just die? Like, why didn't you just jump off a bridge? Right. Somebody who went through the same thing you went through, they don't have the resilience and the heart and the mindset that you have. So it would be extremely selfish for you not to share the solution. Because on the other side of this trial, you're still smart enough to come into personal development. You still got your head on straight. God is still blessing you with some extreme visions. You got goals. You don't look like what you've been through. But it's a 12-year-old girl right now who's suffering through the same thing. And she's cutting herself every single day. She's hiding it with long sleeve shirts in the summertime. But if she heard your story and see how you got out, she could say, man, that could be me too. And so for me... I couldn't be selfish with adoption. I couldn't be selfish with my insecurities. I couldn't be selfish with like all the things that I had to go through internally, internally. And I and and you know I know we on camera, but I got more influence in the adoption and foster care space than I have in the mainstream media, just because ain't nobody never said nothing about it. Like like so many people come out now and they come to me like you know they're they're big people now. You know you know them on social media. They're on TV and they'll grab me and be like. You know, I was in foster care too, and I just never told nobody. I thought people was gonna look at me different. I was like, that's cool. But I asked myself, why didn't you die, Will? Like, why you, you know, why do you continue to be positive in the midst of never meeting anybody in your biological family? Why don't you go tell somebody why? Because it's a 12-year-old boy who cutting himself because his mama left him. It's an 18-year-old boy right now who playing basketball, he don't know himself and he living through his talent. And once he hurt his knee or something, he gonna wanna jump off a bridge. He needs to hear your story. She need to hear your story. Wow. Yeah. 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 Incredible. Incredible, man. I I just wanna say thank you um, because it was raining. I ain't gonna lie, Chuck called me earlier too. The phone was ringing and I was like, 
that he really can't make it. And I picked up. He's like, yo, anything I could do to help serve? I'm like, yo, Chuck, that's my man. Hey, that's and, our squad, man. Everybody on serve. We got to serve. Man, and then it started raining. I was like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and then you had, like, some, some other obligations that yeah. Willie Moore, he actually had some things he had to do. <clears throat> People came in town. Um, but he was like, yo, I, I said I'm, I'm there. I'm there. Yeah. He said he was going to be at Social Proof. He was there. He said I can come into the radio. He, he was there. He's a man of his word. So I want to say just thank you on behalf of everybody, not only just this studio audience, but I just believe this this interview is going to help so many people across the world. Indeed. I, I, I mean, sure. and I had known you, yeah. and I just never got a chance to really hear this side, yeah. you know, be able to have this perspective. So uh, thank you. We say yeah. thank you. Thank you. Indeed. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Right, so I appreciate it. How, how, how can they find you? Um, what you got going on? Indeed. So make sure you log on to WillieMoreJr.org. Of course, tune in to the Willie Moore Jr. Show. You can download our app, the Willie Moore Jr. Show. And, uh, you know, more than anything, if you do not know me, because, you know, I'm just a guy who can still swing his legs in small chairs, right? Like, your man can't do this, okay? Your man can't do this. But, like, but if you, if, if honestly, you forget everything I said, um, and I don't know, I don't really know, like, your relationship with God, um, but hearing my story, like, maybe it inspired you. And maybe you say, man, that's really cool. And then you just do like most people do when they watch YouTube. They automatically just start doing some of the things that they heard. Mm -hmm. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that all of this came through the teachings of my cheat sheet that I call the Bible. And so mm -hmm. if you just want to get started on it, like Proverbs, right? Like if you just want to start, like it's a proverb a day. Like it's 31 Proverbs. It's usually 31 days in a month. I just start reading a proverb a day. Even while I was drinking, even while I was smoking, I still read what I'd had to read. And then he started unlocking what, what needed to be unlocked. Success leaves clues. My father, Jesus Christ, he won. He resurrected. So my life will continue to resurrect. You could be a part of that too, flat out. Hey, follow yep. my boy. Appreciate you, yep. brother. Yeah. Clap sure. it up, clap it up. Yep. Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.